Hello and welcome to Walter Now, Walter Magazine's monthly podcast. I'm Walter Editor and General Manager Liza Roberts, and I'm here in our offices today with Jesma Reynolds, our Creative Director, Mimi Montgomery, our Community Manager, and Jesse Ammons, Walter's Assistant Editor, to talk about our May issue, which is devoted to the subject of travel. We've got spotlights on great destinations this month that are all within a few hours' drive. We've got food in Wilmington. We've got a whole lot in this issue. Um, one piece that I worked on quite a bit and had a lot of fun doing was about doctors, local doctors who travel to do good for others in the wider world. In previous years, we've done other groups of people who go on sort of more um, fun-loving trips. This was really about people who travel for the purpose of giving back. Um, and it was extraordinary. I sort of put a few feelers out there, and the number of doctors that came back was overwhelming. I could have written for written about ten times as many doctors as I did. As it was, I got a dentist, trauma surgeons, dermatologists, hand surgeons, anesthesiologists. Um, they go to places like Zambia, Nicaragua, Belize, Haiti, the Ukraine, Mongolia. Um, and the thing that amazed me was not just how selfless they are, but how important um, their work is to them and how much it affects not only their sense of themselves and, and the purpose that they bring to their profession, but the work that they do back at home with their patients here. Um, it was just, it was a really, um, a really heartwarming story to get to work on and really impressive to find all these different doctors right here in town who spend a fair amount of their own time and their own money to go travel to do this kind of work. Um, but we have so many travel stories in this issue, and one thing we did for the first time this year um, was have a reader's travel photo contest. Jesma, you um, took the reins there. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, as you said, it was our first travel photo contest, and we had over 30 readers send in snapshots from their travels around the globe, um, from Europe to Asia to Central America to all points across the United States. This was a well-traveled group of people. I was amazed at all the places our readers went over the past year. And there was a lot of variety in the pictures, as you'll see. Um, there's some beautiful landscapes, some really sweet family moments, some artful compositions, and then some humor thrown in as well. And um, I think we all had a little tinge of wanderlust as we looked at all the submissions that came in. Um, but I got to do a little bit of traveling this month for our house story, going to the western part of the state in Asheville, where one Raleigh couple found their perfect vacation home. Um, they had originally set out to find that proverbial cabin in the woods, but their quest took a turn when they stumbled upon an exceptional mid-century modern house designed by the late Burt King. And what I learned about King was that he was a highly regarded modernist architect. He actually graduated from NC State School of Design, and he had an Asheville-based firm that focused mainly on commercial projects, including, um, many people will recognize the award-winning design of Warren Wilson Presbyterian Church and College Chapel in Swannanoa. But on the side, he also found time to design quite a number of distinct homes around Asheville. And he always cited his homes for the best views of the surroundings, and this house doesn't disappoint. The views of the Blue Ridge Mountains are absolutely gorgeous, and it was so interesting to see how the current owners were committed to honoring King's original vision. They really didn't change much at all. But they've um, sort of spruced up the spaces with a lot of local art and a great collection of mid-century furniture. Um, so there are several Raleigh artists included in that as well. And that was It's a beautiful story. The pictures are extraordinary and the really? local art that they've had installed recently, too. Um, Jesse, you had a story that was really fun this, this month, a little closer to home, but about a guy who spent a lifetime traveling around, gathering all kinds of interesting lifetime experiences. Tell us about him. 
Yes. So Leon Capitanos is a Raleigh native who went to Carolina and sort of on a happenstance, he just took an internship because why not went to California to Hollywood and ended up building a really successful screenwriting career there in the 80s. Um, he worked on titles like Down and Out in Beverly Hills and Greased Lightning and this whole slew of kind of quirky tongue in cheek comedies in the 80s. Um, but he is now back home in Raleigh, and he's working to promote his first novel, which is a young adult novel. And um, he's he, as you might guess, he's completely an engaging storyteller and one of those people that when you spend time with him, I mean, you're just watching. He's so fascinating and has been everywhere and met so many interesting people. And he's he is a hoot to be around. Um and you can also tell, though, that he's built a career on writing these tongue-in-cheek characters, but adult characters. And you can tell that he's having a lot of fun getting in the in the brain of a 12-year-old character for this book. And, and that's it's contagious. It's cool to watch him get into a different frame of mind and a younger frame of mind. And um, it was it was just fun to get to try to share that. I know you had the chance to spend a fair amount of time with him over several different interviews. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was really interesting to read in your story also about how he always kept Raleigh as a touch point. He always kept coming back here, yeah. even when he was really young and kind of you know scratching by as a screenwriter. He'd come back to Raleigh to yeah. write and to kind of decompress, and and now he's here for good. So we're lucky to have him. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, um, Mimi. You found some fun adventure in your own backyard. Tell us about that. Yeah, I did indeed. Um, so for this issue, I went on an urban foraging tour with the Piedmont Picnic Project which is a group that I really didn't know anything about before, but it is this local uh, group of two women, and they try to increase awareness about sustainability and eating local foods. So, yeah, it was really cool. Um, It was definitely something I knew nothing about before. I was a novice, to say the least. But um, it was really interesting to go on their tour and see that there are all these plants that you could eat just growing around the sidewalks in downtown Raleigh. Um, we started out at Raleigh City Farm and sort of stayed within, like, the Person Street and, like, Mordecai area, which was interesting because they combined their tour with some history about the city of Raleigh, and we were, like, in a pretty historic area, so we were foraging whilst learning about the history of Raleigh, which was a cool combination. So while we are out and about, um, we gathered a bunch of wild plants um, from, like, the sidewalks, from little patches of grass, from some people's front yards (laughs) and we ended up using all of them in a salad and had a picnic once we got back to city farm and all the foods that we ate were made from locally foraged ingredients and we had things like bread kombucha tea some homemade pesto a bunch of different kinds of jams and it was all really delicious which you know was surprising because these were all things that you had literally just plucked out of someone's front yard um so yeah and sort of going back to their ethos i think a lot of times there's this huge disconnect between you know, where we get our food and how it really comes to sit in our table. I mean, I just go to Trader Joe's and pick the first thing I see in the produce aisle, so, and I don't really think about where it comes from. And the Piedmont Picnic Project is aiming to reduce that gap. And I definitely walked away from my experience with a greater sense of an appreciation for the idea of, you, you know, eating locally and eating sustainably. And it's something I should focus on personally because, obviously, like I said, I'm pretty bad about thinking about my sort of food history but this walking tour really reminded me that if you know if you make the effort it's definitely possible to reduce the distance between yourself and the source of what you're eating especially in Raleigh which is a city that's definitely growing in that aspect 
Well, so you learned a lot and you made you more aware. Do you think you're actually going to go out and pluck some stuff from the side of the road and eat it? Oh, again? for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Excellent. just 100% going off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mimi, thank you so much. You, you took on that assignment like a, the champ that you are. <laughs> um, next up, we'll go speak with Dean McCord, who traveled to Wilmington for a weekend and managed to fit in about 110 meals in about two and a half days. So we'll hear from the horse's mouth how he managed to fit all that in. I'm here now with Dean McCord. Dean is one of the area's best and most original food writers. He's on the board of the Southern Foodways Alliance. He created Varmint Bites, which is one of the most interesting food blogs anywhere. And when he's not practicing law at Wyrick Robbins in Raleigh or cooking fantastic meals for his family of six, he writes about food for Walter. Lucky us. Dean, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. So for our May travel issue, you once again took a trip. Um, you've done this a couple times for the magazine and always with great results. This time you went to Wilmington. Tell us a little bit about what you found. What I found was a lot of surprises. I knew nothing about Wilmington. When I thought about Wilmington, it was a place that you just passed through on your way to the beach. Um, it, I knew a lot of uh, people who went to UNC Wilmington. But frankly, I had been to one or two restaurants there. I had been to RX and, and another restaurant. But over the years, it just was not a place where I would stop. And it seemed that once I started doing research, it's, it, one would think that there were some pretty good opportunities there. Uh, but I had no clue. Um, and so that's what is, makes all of this fun, is that there is a mystery. Or a, it's a mystery. There is a surprise around every corner. Uh, and that really was the case. Uh, even though I put together a fairly detailed game plan, uh, I allowed myself some flexibility to just work with it on a spur of a moment. And that is what makes a lot of this as fun as it is. Well, of course, in the spirit of adventure as it comes through in the story. Tell us about how you went about your research before you got there. Uh, social media. <laughs> <laughs> you start asking um, your Facebook friends, and I'm very, very fortunate that I have a lot of friends who are not only in the food industry, but food lovers, and they know what I like. Um, it's not necessarily the best or the greatest or the newest or the hippest. It's usually about places with soul, with a story, and with people who uh, have that passion that it shows on the plate. And, and so I put out feelers on Facebook, and next thing I know, I had nearly 40 different recommendations. Wow. And so what do I do? I look at each of them. I also put them on a map. Mm -hmm. I uh, create a map and I plot it out and see where are the places to go. Um, and it, as I started doing this, I, I recognized pretty quickly that there was a lot of stuff downtown. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of stuff by the beach and only a couple of places in between. Yeah. And that's what made me start thinking that Wilmington was kind of a, an unusual um, community because of that uh, disparate uh, type of pairing of restaurants, those on the beach side and those on the downtown side. And so I went with that. And you, you mentioned that you kind of seek a place with a soul, not necessarily the top ranked or whatever, but a place with a story that shows up on the plate. That ends up including some really lovely sort of high-end spots and some sort of greasy spoons. How did you, did you try to make a balance between those two types of spots? Well, I think that's just the nature of everything. I, I don't think that anybody can just eat at the, the high-end places. Um, right. that should, if you do that, 
Um, boy, uh, you're going to have gout. You're going to have other <laughs> kinds of diseases. But the, the, the end of the day is, is that you need that greasy spoon. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing to do is still to find the ultimate donut shop, um, which I have done. It's in Richmond, Virginia, and we'll talk about that another day. But uh, So I always try to find a great donut shop in every town. I always try to find a great breakfast spot um, or a coffee shop where they take a lot of pride in sourcing their beans. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so those are always things that I look for. Now, I also look for chefs, chef-driven restaurants, where they come up with uh, interesting menus that display a sense of place. Mm -hmm. um, they understand where they come from, um, who grows uh, or fishes, or farms uh, in the area for them, sometimes forage. But at the end of the day, um, they all put wonderful, wonderful things on the plate. I also look for bars um, because, to me, a bar is a great place to get to know people. It's a great place to get a vibe of a community. And when you have something like Mana, which has the most amazing cocktails anywhere in the state, um, and they'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but then you have Loggerheads, right. which is a classic beach beer bar. Right. Um, and I love them both. So you went through in your story, which is in our May issue, um, and needs to be read in full to get the full full gist here. But talk us to us just a little bit. Um, first person, you land in Wilmington. And it, just take us through your weekend, kind of the high points and what you managed to squeeze in there. Because it took, a it took some fortitude <laughs> to fit this many meals and drinks into your weekend. I look at these opportunities as a challenge mm -hmm. in some regards, and I know that I always have to pace myself. Um, I got to Wilmington at about 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. I checked into a lovely inn, uh, the Front Street Inn, and which uh, is run by this delightful couple. Um, they're, they're older folks. Um, they, they moved down to Wilmington from Massachusetts near Williams College and started this a uh, little B&B, &B, which is just fantastic. Um, Richard and Polly Salinetti are their names, and two of the kindest, uh, most charming individuals you ever meet. Check in, and then I start walking. And I go to the first uh, spot on my list, which is a burger place. Um, and it was really, really good. It's called the Fork and Cork. And I didn't know. I had heard that they had great burgers, and they also have great smoked brisket. So I asked the waitress, what should I get? And she says, well, try the Kyle-style uh, burger, which has smoked brisket on a burger. <laughs> so I get it. And I think that I will eat a quarter, maybe less of the burger, because I know that I have more places to go that night. And I start eating, and <laughs> it was good. It, it's one of the best burgers I've ever had, and I can't stop eating it. Next thing I know, it's... Uh, three-quarters of the way done, <laughs> and I'm going, oh, what have I done to myself? Uh -huh. And also the fries were perfect. And it was a lovely afternoon mm -hmm. with the sun pouring in the front window. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, I'm using my iPhone to take pictures, and, and I, most of the pictures in the, the article are not really of food. Um, they're of uh, Wilmington or the outside places, but unless you're getting good light, it's hard to get a good picture. And I was really lucky with the, the shot of the burger That's because great. we had great, great light that afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, but from there, I met a friend, um, and then we had a cocktail bar, um, which was really, really good, uh, called the Blind Elephant, and this is kind of a speakeasy place. Mm -hmm. um, 
where uh, you have to knock on the door and say some password. We, we got there before they had <laughs> Is actually. Is that a long walk between the two? No. no. I mean, so that's, you'd, you'd plot that's it all exactly. Out. I mean, I, I literally have a map. Um, and so I, I figured out how far the, it was from each of the places. Right. And that's kind of the way I like to do it. I like to walk around towns whenever I can yeah. because I want to be there as if I live there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people do that. So we went from the Blind Elephant and had a nice drink there over to Mana because we had heard that they had good cocktails, right. and they do. Um, <laughs> and really. what, what did you have there? What was your cocktail? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. I had, uh, <laughs> I had a – I think we may have had two cocktails uh-huh. that night, but, uh, you know, there are some things that I don't print uh, right. Yeah, right well, about. Well, that's why we're talking. That's why we're talking. We want to hear the parts, of the, the parts you did not print. Uh, and, yeah. and, and I, I may have uh, – Put the, the name of the, the cocktail in the article, but I don't remember. But You just talk about how they make their own bitters and shrubs and all that stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, they have all of these bottles yeah. of, of tinctures and, mm-hmm. and things that, and oleosaccharum, which is a... Um, yeah, what is that? Oleosaccharum is really, all you do is you take um, the, the peels of citrus and you uh, combine it with sugar and let it combine for a while, and then that becomes the basis of a lot of punches. Hmm. And it's a very classic um, like a preserved ingredient. Lemon kind of thing. Well, no, it's no? it's really what it does is it just extracts the oils oh. from the citrus peel into the sugar, and so what you now have is this citrusy sugar base oh. that's uh, it should liquefy, mm-hmm. and so it's fantastic. And all the classic punches start with uh, either a lemon oleosaccharum or an orange oleosaccharum, mm-hmm. and so it's but it's 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 cocktail geek speak is yeah, what it is right. and these guys are the geekiest <laughs> of the cocktail geeks and and they'll tell you that i mean they're mm-hmm. just two wonderful wonderful bartenders that i that i met there um ian murray is the head bartender and i believe he came down from philadelphia several years ago mm-hmm. when they opened and uh his partner in crime matt corzelius um and so it was just great and we got to know them so it's Friday night. You've had this fantastic brisket burger. You've gone and had some drinks. Two you've drinks. had a couple more drinks. And then we go and to then, Pinpoint uh-huh. Restaurant, which is a new place in Wilmington, yeah. opened by uh, Chef Dean Neff. Um, he worked with Hugh Atchison in Athens at the uh, uh, the 5 and 10. Um, and uh, I had reached out to him uh, before I came down saying, uh, we're coming to to town to do this magazine article and i know i don't ask for anything um i just uh you just hope to get a chance to talk to the the chefs and Mm -hmm. and he really took care of us um he he brought out a lot of dishes um that represented his cooking what he thought was was great and we had a fun time so fun that we went back to his apartment with his uh fiance lydia and then we all went up essentially across the street from his apartment to the Satellite Bar, which is this dynamite place, and had a beer. By that time, I was full. I was tired. (laughs) Uh, May have had too much to drink, but that's the beauty of Uber and and other things. Exactly. This one we had to drive Uh to, but – Chef drove. Right. And, and so. <laughs> so time to rest up for donuts, right? <laughs> it, yeah. Although you wake up the next morning and you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. But you know you have uh, a challenge in it. front of you. and so Take it for the team. So I hit the donut shop. And then I hit uh, a breakfast place uh, over on the Wrightsville Beach side, uh, on the beach side, Causeway Cafe, which it's an institution. Um, I had heard about it. And frankly, it's it's. 
what I would call the Greek diner. It yeah. had everything imaginable, and it was good. It yeah. was solid food if you um, you know what you're going to get. Um, from there, I went over to the Sweet and Savory Cafe, which was kind of a hop, skip, and a jump. And it was also very good. I, this one was a lot more creative. They had these breakfast sandwiches. Um, mm-hmm. And they also had the most wonderful art on the the walls lining the bathrooms. Uh, there's this local artist who does all these food pun things. And so it's just I, I, I wish I could remember all of these puns, but it was just a, a delight. Then I had a couple of lunches. Mm-hmm. One, I met up with a friend mm-hmm. um, at Chops for sandwiches, and we got a couple of sandwiches, and we, I had about a quarter of each one. Yeah. Uh, but then I was just, like, so full. So <laughs> I actually went back over to Wrightsville and walked, around, walked on the beach, yeah. walked up and down the town, um, hit lockerheads in the afternoon for a little, just a beer, just to get the uh, ambiance. And then I went uh, back on the uh, other side of the intercoastal waterway, but still on the beach side of town, right. and got a salad. <laughs> At <laughs> this point, salad there? I, I, I got a salad and a nice glass of Sancerre, oh, wow. and I was in heaven. Yeah. It, was, it was fantastic. It's just what I needed. So this is, it's really a food um, journey that you go on that is, it takes a lot of, a lot of real interest in what you're doing to, to keep your appetite alive, I would imagine. But you've got that. Yeah, it well, I am not a um, skinny guy, so I've always liked to eat. And um, But I also need to pace myself. Sure. Um, did I eat all that salad? Yeah, no. Right. The Some of the breakfasts, I just had a couple of bites. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's actually easier um, for breakfast to eat less simply because you're having pretty much the same stuff. Yeah. Um, there's only so many different ways that you can do eggs, right. for example. And I will say that the Sweet and Savory Cafe – their breakfast sandwiches were different, and they were quite delicious. But So then I went and took a nap uh-huh. because then I decided, well, time to go back out. But right. before I did anything, I walked along the river of, uh, the, of Wilmington, and that Cape Fear River is something else. Mm-hmm. They have a little uh, river walk, which is partially under construction, but the light that afternoon was fantastic. There was this great wholesale grocer. Uh, right along the riverfront that uh, I think the, the photo got included. Um, we've got photos. I, I've noticed on your web, uh, on your mm-hmm. uh, Facebook and Twitter profiles, you posted photos of these fishermen as well as yep. the uh, well, USS Wilmington. Pictures. And actually, I'll interrupt you quickly just to ask you about that. So one of the great things about asking you to go do one of these stories is that you're so intrepid. You take your iPhone and you take these remarkable pictures with, the, with it. What are some tips you've got for folks? You know, everyone out there these days is taking pictures of what they order at a restaurant. Right. You managed to do it beautifully, but also, as you point out, the fisherman picture and all these pictures of the street life. What's your What's your secret? Uh, I don't think there is a secret. <laughs> uh, to me, it's you know when you have the good light mm-hmm. and you take advantage of that. And yeah. uh, that's in the early morning or mm-hmm. late afternoon. Um, right. And so you, you definitely take advantage of that. Food pictures, I have no clue. I mean, I'm not a food stylist. <laughs> Uh, to me, if if I can get something that looks halfway decent because of the light, I'll take a picture mm-hmm. of it. I take a lot of pictures of the food because, and that's kind of my con- my way of keeping a notebook of what I ate, yeah. and and helps me to remember sure. things. Um, it's just an easy way to to chronicle something without having to write things down, right. um, and that's very very helpful. So, but walking along the river, you just see so many people, and you recognize. Wow, this is a tourist town, uh-huh. and I, 
I never really thought of Wilmington itself. Downtown Wilmington is a tourist town, but it is. And and that's that's what makes this fun is, is that spirit of adventure, mm-hmm. discovery. Um, yeah. And it's it's very serendipitous, but I, I love it all. So the, the headline we put on this story was A Culinary Tale of Two Cities. Do you think that is that – does that sum it up correctly? Is it two cities or is it more united than that? Oh, it's – if if you ask anybody there, you'll get both mm-hmm. uh, types of, of comments because the people who uh, – live downtown, yeah. they don't go over to the beach. Right. I talked to a gentleman at breakfast at the Dixie Grill mm-hmm. and talked to the owner of the Dixie Grill, and they say that, yeah, we just don't go over there. And, yeah, it's okay. Right. It's fine, but we like it here. It's, sure. it's, it's fairly cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's vibrant. Um, the nightlife is good. There's lots of places to go. Uh, and so they have a special little place there mm-hmm. where so much is right there within walking distance. Whereas the beach, it's it's more, in many ways, built up. It's newer. Um, and I, when I say the beach, I don't necessarily mean just the Wrightsville beach area. I mean um, the eastern part mm-hmm. of, of Wilmington. You see more strip malls. And so restaurants are in these planned developments rather than older historic buildings. Um, but the thing that I did notice is that people have a different pace. Mm-hmm. And that's what they share more than anything else. One is, is that they are willing to just move a little slower. And mm-hmm. maybe that's stereotype. Um, maybe I was seeing something I wanted to see. Um, but it sure as heck was the way I was feeling. And <laughs> it could be just too much uh, food uh, take Slowed it over. But, but really it was. But, but there's also this fierce sense of pride. Mm-hmm. I mean, the owner of Mana, uh, Billy Mellon, just – he is so proud of this area and recognizing uh, recognizes that it's a burgeoning food scene and and yeah it's small it's not Asheville Asheville to me is still the best restaurant city in the state but I it just has so much going for it and and that's really remarkable so So put you on the spot for just one second you have to go back for dinner one night this week where are you going to go I will get cocktails at Mana, Mm -hmm. and then I will walk over to Pinpoint and uh, have some of the things that I didn't have the night that I visited. Dean Neff is, we are so lucky to have him in our state, and he's so fiercely proud of what he is doing at MANA um, with his relationship with the local fishermen. Uh, And it's remarkable that there isn't really a lot of great seafood at the beach. And I've always always wondered why that is, but it's pretty common. Mm -hmm. The closer you get to the beach... (laughs) <laughs> does or not mean <laughs> yeah they mask the flavor yeah. but uh even though i went in january dean was getting some really good good stuff but it's once again it's funny his favorite dish is his catfish which right it's it's farms but he knows the farmers and he knows the product and does an amazing job with it well, so you've been nice enough to agree to do another adventure for us for our, um, an upcoming issue uh, a little closer at home will you give us a little sneak peek of what you're working on now Right now I'm working on the Raleigh beer scene, and this isn't about beer. I am not a beer nerd, a beer geek. Um, I like beer. Um, I like to drink beer, uh, but I don't speak beer. Mm-hmm. I don't speak about ABVs and, and how the different bitters and different types of hops. Um, but what I really enjoy is being in a tap room, and so – or in a bar, a beer bar. And so what the story is going to focus on is really about the tap room 
scene and how they foster a sense of community where you can bring your dogs, your kids, and how at one place you might get a bunch of millennials there playing Jenga <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you have a lot of hipsters in another place with all of their short crop beards and, and uh, fancy hairdos. Um, but another place you'll see old farts like me. And, and it's, it's remarkable how each of the different places has its individual vibe. Yeah. Well, can't wait to read that one, and maybe we can talk to you about that, too, once you've got that one in the can. Um, thank you very much, Dean, for being with us today. It's my pleasure. It's been a delight. Thank you. I'm Liza Roberts. Thank you for listening to Walter Now.